0: Oh, mm-hmm.
1: on jazz and poetry, pride ourselves on the conversations we have with musical as well as poetic artists. And um, spotlight conversation is the way that we go about doing things. I'm blessed to have on the phone right now a wonderful musician, uh, trumpeter, vocalist, educator, producer, arranger, activist, probably drives a bus, too, on the side, um, in the person of Bria Skonberg. Welcome to Spotlight Conversations.
0: Thank you so much. <laughs> I don't drive a bus yet, but I do drive the band van pretty often. <laughs> I'll put it on the list. Well, that's all right. to learn. <laughs> well,
1: that's okay. It's, um, again, in, in these days and times, I'm so glad to be able to have a conversation with you
0: me too me too thank you <laughs> um
1: let's start from the beginning i guess uh where where are you from and who were some of your earliest musical or creative uh, influences
0: sure well i grew up in uh british columbia canada uh about 90 miles east of vancouver so way on the west coast and it's in a town called chilliwack and chilliwack had a lot of heart a lot of uh you know greenery agriculture and also really good just local public school band programs A community that like to put on special heartfelt events and such and so uh i first started playing trumpet when i joined basically just a grade seven middle school jazz band i mean i'm a proud uh, product of public schools and uh through through the music that my teachers would give to me, those were a lot of my earliest jazz influences. People like Louis Armstrong. I mean, the big bands too: Count Basie, the Ellington, uh, Tommy Dorsey. All of that classic material was stuff that I was turned on to at a young age. And then also, uh, we had the Chilliwack Jazz Festival, <laughs> which was thriving for for our you know for our little town and uh, they did a really good job of incorporating all of the youth into the jazz festival. So we got a chance to play and also got a chance to see some professionals perform. Now it wasn't, you know, the Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra per se that was coming into town, but there were a lot of local bands that really featured the material of traditional jazz styles, six to eight piece bands playing uh, kind of classic jazz and swing, really improvised uh, ensemble style, New Orleans kind of style jazz. So those were a lot of my earliest influences.
1: Explain how, uh, when you decided to go to New York City, how it affected you. I mean, what did you expect out of the Big Apple?
0: (laughs) Well, my journey to New York City wasn't so, you know, wasn't just overnight. I went, I moved to Vancouver for university. I spent a couple of years really traveling with bands throughout the United States and a little over to Europe after that. And all the time I was kind of putting out feelers about where my next move would be. And by that time, you know, New York City was just, it had it had the most exciting rhythm to me. Just to walk down the street, it's like everybody's moving at a faster pace, the music, the culture, the food, a lot of things about it excited me. Uh, but fortunately, because of the playing that I had been doing, I had met a lot of musicians along the way. So I was able to show up eventually having had some connections and some friends, ultimately, in the city that made my setup a lot easier. You know, I think what I was surprised by is, uh, you know, I I wanted to live, you know, we all, we all imagine, okay, I'm going to live in the village and I'm going to live right in the middle of the grid and be part of all these scenes, but I ended up moving into Brooklyn first and living close to Prospect Park and, and connecting with this really interesting community of artists that were interested in all the many parts of life, not just... Uh, you know, not just straight-up jazz, it was like just agriculture. Uh, yeah, spending time together, you know, the sense of community was, was strong from the get-go for me, which I appreciated.
1: Mm-hmm. Why is, um, in your opinion, the history of uh, music in general, but jazz in particular, so important to our culture?
0: So, the, I mean, the story of jazz is the story of america so it's the united states art form and as somebody who wasn't born here you know i fell in love with the music for many reasons but i just became obsessed with it as i learned more about the history of it because it's like you know when you read a book if you don't start at the first chapters you miss the character development you miss the meat you miss the soul of the story and i mean that's what it is the the movement in in south in the southern part of the united states obviously the the many different um cultures that came together the African-American influence being paramount, the African influence also in the way that it mixed together with Europe and uh, Caribbean and different cultures. I mean, that to me is the story. That is the sound. That is the interpretation to take from jazz music. And everything can be built on top of it. I think having that foundational knowledge enables you to stretch, you know, not just not higher, but wider, wider. And I really think that all of the, the studying that I've done of Classic jazz history and trying to understand the, the people and the, the means around it has just opened up my my abilities to try and experience more kinds of music because it's all about people.
1: Right. Yeah. I know when I was um, when I was coming up, and uh, I'm I'm 62. Okay, so mm-hmm. so so that just gives you a little a uh, little bit about when I came up, but. Um, here in the United States, especially I was born and raised in Philadelphia, and I used to always see children my age walking around with, you know, violin cases and trumpet cases and trombone cases. I was a trombone person um, and and large portfolios or whatever. And then all of a sudden it started disappearing from out of the public schools. And like yourself, I was raised in the public school system. Um, but they started getting rid of a lot of, um, you know, arts programs, which is unfortunate. Whether it was because of cost or, uh, you know, I have no idea because I think it was crazy. But I don't think they realized that by practicing, you know, music or or art or or literature or whatever, that it enhances the rest of your subject matter. You know, Absolutely. your science, your math, your history. And I, I think that's just uh, just a shame.
0: Yeah, it provides a more than a soundtrack. It provides it, it creates all the inf- makes all the information more three dimensional. It brings in the stories, and quite honestly, you know, by stifling the art, you stifle a whole generation's opportunity to find their own voices, thus document mm. what's going on and be able to have their own thoughts about it. So, you know, without going too deep, it's like if you. You uh, stifle the arts You stifle people's ability to You know, really think for themselves Which is easier to control
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah I hear uh, um, in, your, in your Music, your artistry I hear a little bit of all kinds of Genres of music, R&B, pop Jazz, you know Straight ahead jazz Soul, country You know, which is so refreshing um, Why not just stay strictly Jazz or uh, well, mainly jazz. Why not stay strictly jazz?
0: <laughs> I just don't see them all as that being that different. <laughs> you know, they're all everybody's connected, and every all of those styles of music are connected, and a lot of them came out of you know jazz and the blues in particular. So. You know when people say some music is a departure that just um you know that that never feels that way to me i see the connectivity within the styles and i love that you can hear those different kinds of music because it means you have also listened to many different kinds of music and you know taking them for what what they are i mean when i listen to music it's not necessarily is that do i like it is it good or is it bad or what, what do i don't like it's just what is its story what is its purpose what makes it interesting and so and so yeah so as i you know as i wrote more music, I've been doing more original music, those many influences have come into it. And it's so interesting to me to hear what people hear in it. Like if you hear, somebody hears bluegrass, somebody hears a little, I don't know, Cajun, or I don't know, whatever it is that you tend to listen to, you might hear. So I have found that, you know, I might have lost some purists along the way, but it has also kind of just been my authentic musical interest and then brought in a lot of different people along the way. And that being said... There are different situations where I say, I think I've learned to kind of uh, separate them. Like, if you want to see me play like Louis Armstrong, I actually play in the Louis Armstrong Eternity Band at Birdland almost every Wednesday in New York City. Mm -hmm. And that's all hot fives, all stars. It's a a very specific thing, which I love. And it's so challenging, which is why I do it. And if you want to see me do that, then you come there. (laughs) And if you want to see me do this, you come over there. And I hopefully... You know, I try to beat the equation of, you know, a little bit of something for everybody is hopefully not nothing for anybody at the same time.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I know you hate just as well as or dislike. Hate is a strong word. You dislike putting being put in a box um, mm-hmm. and saying, oh, you know, this is a jazz trumpeter. No, I'm a trumpeter, you know, or this is a jazz <laughs> pianist. No. Right. 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 Um, From your latest uh, LP, Nothing Never Happens. The double negative there, I like that. Uh, Nothing Never Happens. I love Blackbird Fantasy. Um, Ah, Yeah, talk about that for a minute and what were you going for with that uh, particular composition?
0: Sure. So, for listeners who haven't heard it yet, uh, Blackbird Fantasy is a mashup of two different songs. I take. Uh, Blackbird by the Beatles and Black and Tan Fantasy by Duke Ellington, and uh, and kind of layer them on top of each other. I think I've always really enjoyed puzzles, and so when I want a song like to do it as a mashup, I, I look at where the melody and the harmonies of each song kind of line up, where they could be complementary, and and piece them together in a way that I think is interesting and pleasing. So that's that's that was kind of that's the fun technical part of that, and otherwise. Uh, I got that idea because I was doing some, uh, you know, outreach. I do outreach for Jazz at Lincoln Center. Sometimes going into schools and talking with kids uh, about the music, but also through the different eras of uh, United States history. And going from, you know, uh, the Harlem Renaissance and uh, the Great Migration, where Duke Ellington really, really began to find his voice. And then uh, going into the Civil Rights era and the Beatles. Actually, that was a, a comment on that uh, to me just studying all these different kinds of music again as somebody obsessed with american history and a very very humble student of it all uh it's like you know it's just history repeats itself it's all one and the same it's all connected again and so by kind of hopefully putting those songs together just continues to reinforce it and then the backdrop ultimately the solos where you can let loose on it is the blues and the blues connects everybody so those were some of the ideas behind it and and what I certainly think about when it is that I'm playing it.
1: Mm. Yeah, your, your trumpet is amazing and, and your vocals uh, are equally, in my opinion, mesmerizing. How long did it take you to get comfortable doing both?
0: <laughs> I still work at both. <laughs> I still work at <laughs> them every day. The trumpet, trumpet is a very unforgiving instrument. Uh, but, the you know, I think I love to sing first. I loved singing as a kid, but I was... Too shy, if you can believe it. But now I was too shy to really do it openly. But I think again, playing trumpet and being in some some band environments gave me both the confidence to perform, the opportunities, and also the community of friends around to try some things. And so I had a couple of friends that we'd sing with, and eventually uh, I got my my breakout moment in the in the high school musical. I was Sandy in Grease, <laughs> which was all oh. just going on. <laughs> yeah, that was my that was that was my my singing coming you know coming out of the closet and uh and then after that i joined i joined choirs i i got more involved and i had bands where i'd be able to do both so all that to say they've both instruments and i think of them they're they're one voice but they're kind of two different things at the same time they're friends Mm. i think they inform each other very very much so you know when i play my trumpet I like I want to play like I'm talking, I know the lyrics, and I play the lyrics and songs, and then when I'm singing, sometimes I'll embellish a little bit like I would on the trumpet, and I think of them uh, together. But that to be said, you know, I'm always looking, searching for songs or writing material that will continue to challenge both of those instruments. I mean, I take, I study as much as I can on both, there's just an infinite amount to, to learn about them. So, I'm still working on it for an answer. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a, it, well, you sound great, let me tell you. Um, Thank you. you you're, you're welcome. You're very socially conscious, um, <laughs> you know, to say the least. And I've I read and I'm just listening to your music. I'm like, you know, sounds like some protest stuff going on. But anyway, um, 2017. Um, why was that year so important to you and um And your artistry.
0: 2017? Yeah. Huh.
1: That was right after, well, you know, in 2016 or
0: 2016.
1: Yeah. Yeah, after that, the Women's March, I had read somewhere where, and that was 2017. That was the day after the inauguration of this knucklehead uh, (laughs) that we have in office.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I had just released a couple of albums that were recorded in earlier in 2016, and you know, the general feeling was just you know love and wonder and <laughs> lots of excitement and adventure. And then you know, like everybody, it just felt like, oh, there was a whole story here that I was just not paying attention to, and um, and I yeah, I got I got immediately involved with some things. I attended. As you said, uh, a women's march in New York City, which was an incredible, incredible experience to be there and to be on the ground and bonding with a few million of my favorite, <laughs> my new best friends. Uh, and so, what happened with that is that immediately after, I, I started to, you know, write a song. At that time. I was feeling a lot of uh, tension. I think you know what I'm talking about. Everybody started to mm-hmm. feel that, and I, and I just I felt overwhelmed because there was there just had been no time to process it. The way that the media kind of continually, you know, puts things in your in your face, and you can't go to, through an airport without seeing CNN, et cetera, et cetera. It just was so much, and I really felt like I needed to take myself kind of off the grid and process it. So, so especially after the Women's March, I I just cleared space. I stood up my keyboard, and I just was silent and waited for some, ins- to see what needed to come out, basically. And what came out is this song called "Dylan Vanguard, uh, which, yes, very much is inspired by a march. There's a scene of protest. And in fact, when I tell my band to play it, there's a, there's a minute in the middle where it's just kind of free and there is no plan whatsoever. I just say, pretend you're somebody in a crowd. You know, and this has happened, and this is where we want to go, and we have to get there together. It dissipates, all the music kind of goes that, but then it comes back together stronger than before. And, you know, I think that that's a really powerful piece, and just a testament, like we said before, to the arts. uh, Is That song, Dylan Vanguard, has no lyrics, however, it really communicates what you need to, and that's why we need the arts, too, is it enables you to process and also just express the things that you, when you don't have the words for them.
1: Mm. um you're constantly as you said earlier um learning and teaching talk about your relationship with uh the women in jazz
0: organization uh the women in jazz organization has uh started a few years ago i know my good friend roxy Koss, who's an incredible tennis saxophone player uh she's one of the women at the helm and uh It's just phenomenal. I mean, I think like you said, I think in the last few years, especially many of these groups have come together and just really strive for connectivity so that we can have conversations and build a network that is stronger. And uh, so I, you know, I joined and this year I'm mentoring a girl who actually lives in Philadelphia. No, she lives in Seattle now, thank you for working, Uh, but she's going to Temple University and oh, yeah. we, yeah, and so they set up a mentorship program. And I think that's a really big part, you know, of, of continuing studies for especially girls is having, seeing the next level, seeing seeing and hearing and connecting with the next level. Somebody who says, you can't do this. This is what you need to do. Just keep on going and, and nurturing them in a good way. And uh, and so the Women in Jazz organization fosters a lot of those relationships. And I've definitely benefited from them.
1: Hmm. Um, your activism again uh, is also is very impressive. I mean, what I've been reading about you, and believe me, I've read everything that I could about you, all your reviews and Jazz Times and um, Downbeat, and I'm I'm friends with uh, Michael Ricky, so I actually talked to him and said, Hey, what do you think about this young lady here? And he just just kept going. I was like, (laughs) wait a minute, I gotta get ready to go to work. I'll talk to you a little later, okay? But he just kept kept going on and on. Um, The Instrument of Hope. Tell us about that.
0: So, about a year and a half ago, I went to the Jazz Standard and to see a set by Dave Douglas as part of the Font Festival, and my good friend Raleigh Mulherkar was there playing trumpet, and he was playing this very, very special instrument that I learned about, and it's called the Instrument of Hope, and what it is, is a trumpet that was created in the aftermath of the stu- of the shooting, uh, and uh, at the Florida Parkland school shooting, uh, that of course was a huge tragedy, uh, and a group called Shine MSD came to, to life uh, to help the victims of trauma, of such events, and so they partnered with Jay Landers Brass, a shop in New York City, to create a trumpet, and that trumpet is made out of bullet casings, not from the day, but other bullet casings and brass, and the instrument just symbolizes the absolute need to keep the conversation of gun violence in schools on the main stage, Uh, and I have had the opportunity to play it a few times, and it is just... It means, it's hard to describe the feelings you get when you play it because you can't help but think about these incredible students that were, you know, that whose lives were taken and the, uh, the bravery of the students that have come up since then to try and uh, make good changes in the world. So, uh, the trumpet has been passed around through hundreds of trumpeters at this point and uh, continues to continues to travel uh, with the idea of keeping the message out and then eventually once it seems to have run its course it'll be auctioned off for funding for those programs so Mm -hmm. shine msc instrument of hope i think instagram it's hope on stage are all different uh names you can find for that but it to me it was it made sense to me on so many reasons you know in so many levels because yeah we feel helpless what can we do what can i possibly do to help these tragedies and help people and that was a tangible way for me to say that I specifically and uh, you know, affected it and bothered by gun violence in schools my parents were public school teachers I spent a lot of time around students spent a lot of times in schools and it just is absurd to me that any student or staff member should have to go to a place of learning and feel unsafe, so Mm. it was my total honor and privilege to get to play the trumpet and just continue to keep that conversation before, you know, we forget about it and then something else horrible happens.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, tragic, and when I read about that horn, it really got to me because, you know, Philadelphia, like New York, you know, we're besieged with gun violence on a daily basis, And more and more, the perpetrators and the victims are children. And when I say children, I'm talking about 14, 15, 16, 18-year-olds that's out here, you know, getting access to uh, these instruments of of mayhem um, and just destroying each other. And it's just a shame. It's just uh, real sad.
0: Yeah, and they don't get a chance. They don't get to vote on it. You know, they don't get a say in what is allowed, and yeah. it's that's just the most heartbreaking part. It's not, it's not fair. Yeah. So not. we do what we can. Yeah, we got to talk about it and and uh, you know do what we can to keep them safe.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in in today's uh, uh, no. You formulated jazz education programs. I mean, numerous uh, programs, uh, you know, for the Louis Armstrong House Museum in Queens and the New York Hot Jazz Camp. Um, mm-hmm. it's, that's just giving back. It's giving back, and it's obvious that you enjoy um, that part of your, um, I don't know, I guess of your service, not only of
0: your um
1: your artistry, but of your service to mankind. Talk about that a little bit
0: more. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, you know, I was taught at a young age that it's all, you know, everything we do is pay it forward. I mean, you know, I was born into middle class Canada, <laughs> because, like mm-hmm. I've been lucky since I've been lucky since day one, and I don't take that for granted. Uh, and you know, everything I can do to continue to honor that opportunity and honor my parents. For what they did to work so that my family, my brothers and sisters, and I could continue to thrive. You know, I just want to continue to um, put that back, in that good, into the world and fight evil. <laughs> uh, but mm-hmm. as far as you know, education, I think, is a really, you know, a good way to to continue that. And you know, jazz music in particular has always been a passed-down art form. You know, we all need to do our part. Working with the Louis Armstrong House Museum is such an honor. If anybody listening has not been there yet, you can go. It's a museum. It's where he and his wife Lucille lived for decades, and it's been uh, preserved just as they lived in it. They have some wonderful clips. And what I think, you know, has inspired me about Louis Armstrong for so long is that, you know, he's an incredible musician, trumpet player, an innovator, uh, and vocalist, communicator. And then even beyond that is a Wonderful humanitarian, a great human being. One of my favorite mm. stories is how he was uh, traveling around. And he was performing in Africa. And two of the countries were at war. And no kidding, they called a ceasefire on the day of Louis Armstrong's concert so that both countries could watch the concert. He stopped a war <laughs> for a day mm. with music. <laughs> that We could use some more of that right now. That's for sure. Oh, yeah yeah and so what I get to do at the Armstrong House is uh, develop programs to to bring a musical element into the already existing tours for a lot of the kids groups that are coming in and find ways that we can just you know focus on just all of those things. his Musicality, the legacy, and also the humanity. What does it mean to be a neighbor? He lived in in Queens in a very humble neighborhood. He loved his neighbors. He'd play for the kids whenever he came home and stuff like that. And so it's like, what does it mean to be part of a community and neighbor? And how do we use music to to cross all those you know barriers?
1: Yeah, in in today's times, and we started to talk about it at the very beginning of this conversation with the coronavirus uh, pandemic in full bloom. What are you doing to keep yourself occupied?
0: <laughs> well, you know, I have i will say that even though I've, I've had a lot of work canceled, I was supposed to be out of, out of town for three weeks in March and now I'm looking at three months at home, <laughs> which is a totally novel experience, but I'm staying proactive and I'm staying optimistic. I found that it's actually opened up a really interesting new world of collaborations with people digitally and uh, communication. I have a, a great conversation with a friend or a family member or somebody almost every day that I haven't talked to in a while. Uh, right now I'm sitting in my bedroom where I've set up a recording rig. I haven't actually done this before because I haven't had time to do it, but I'm recording on some tracks for an album that the idea is that everybody's going to record on their own uh basically uh, just layer it and then we'll put out an album called The Remote Band or something, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'll be recording an album after this I am, I am participating a lot more on social media, I do Facebook live chats a couple times a week now, so that people and they are coming from all over the world they're saying hi from Portugal, Italy, Spain uh, everywhere, people need connectivity, so I play songs, sing songs, have some conversations Instagram, I'm doing uh, video uh, I'm writing songs. I'm working on some long-term projects, such as uh, cleaning up all of my charts so that I can publish them, get them online, so other people can play some of my original music. Uh, so, long story short, is I'm I'm staying very very busy. I mean, a lot <laughs> of it it doesn't it doesn't reflect in my bank account the way that maybe going on tour does immediately. Right. However, however, you know I'm planting and fostering some seeds that I had wanted to for a long time. And hopefully they'll continue to be interesting, you know, through, as, as the years go by.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing because in my case, I mean, I, I stay in as much as possible, but come tomorrow morning, I'll be headed out to, you know, to, uh, where I work at the hospital. Um, That's so
0: phenomenal. but thank you so much, you know,
1: my, <laughs> yeah, thank you. I mean, you're welcome. My son, my youngest son, he's 23. Um, he just graduated from Cal University um, of Pennsylvania in December of 2019. So, you know, we were without him at home for four and a half years, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And it's given me and him an opportunity because we always bump heads. You know what I mean? Out of all four <laughs> of the time, we, always, we were the two that always bump heads, but it's given... Um, me and him an opportunity to communicate a little better and really get to know each other a lot better so you know it has this pros this this coronavirus thing it has its pros and cons and that's definitely a pro um mm-hmm. you know being able to like you say you, you opened up some new uh, new worlds some some probably different activity that we probably should always make face for anyway out of our, out of our day, but it's hard. You know what I mean when you go doing uh, everyday life or whatever. It can get kind of busy. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I'm I'm um, cooking more. I mean, you learn to, you know, living living on the go. It can be expensive. And now it's like, okay, I can actually plan meals for the next few weeks. Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, what's, what's your favorite food to cook?
0: <laughs> oh man. You know, maybe it's because my grandpa used to make them. But I just like making stews, like stews mm. or like big, big one pot sort of things where I can really slow cook and bring together a bunch of spices and vegetables and meats and aromas. And I like to, yeah, I like to, I made a curry last night, chicken, which was so good. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> spend, it, spend a, a, a couple hours waiting for something to cook and then by the time you eat it, it's just uh, it's so good. So yeah. I'm a savory person. I haven't gotten into baking yet, <laughs> but uh, you know we'll see how long this lasts. But yeah, I, that's, that's, yeah. I like that. I like spices together and oils and all that good stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, how about so you? do I. So, yes. so do I. Look, I just uh, uh, I, I do a lot of baking. Not, you know, enough ah. baking, but I bake carrot cakes and zucchini breads oh. and. Ooh. You know, Stuff like that. Yeah, I'm. I'm good. I'm good. I, I
0: gotta. I gotta come over. I need your cookbook. Love a virtual oh, yeah. chat next time. <laughs> oh yes, show. indeed.
1: Yes, indeed. Ooh. Yes, indeed. Um, but you know when you're talking about it, it's it's funny when you said stews and, and soups. It's almost like it's almost like jazz, right?
0: Exactly. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Yeah, and I think that's. I mean, I'm like I'm an all in. <laughs> person, you know, to a fault. I'm like, sure, you know, why not? Let's try it. Let's put it in the pot. Let's see it. Will it you know? Like you give it you give it enough time to cook it together, it'll all make sense. Oh, yeah. So, yeah.
1: So they used to call it um they used to call it slow food. Slow food. talking about the stews sure. and soups. Yeah. And and that came from, you know, back in the back in the slavery times. Mm-hmm. They had to get a meal together so before they had to go out in the field they would put all your vegetables and your meat and everything in the pot and put it on you know slow burn with the fire or whatever and then go out into the field by the time they came back it was ready to eat you know what I mean I so slow Everybody's food crock pots crock pots you yeah. call them that or insta pots you know whatever you have yeah uh yeah. you know that's that's cool um so yeah. You know, we've been talking about your music and everything. Where can the listeners go and pick up some of this fantastic music?
0: Mm. Well, the easiest way to find me online on the Internet is to Google Bria, B-R-I-A, trumpet. (laughs) Just type that into the search bar and you'll be brought to my website. It's easier than spelling my last name. (laughs) Trust me. And Mm -hmm. I have, again, the website continually is updated in these less busy times but I have a, an online store I sell my recordings albums you can get albums or digital downloads I actually have socks now that say nothing never happens because I yeah. want to keep keep that optimistic wear I I sell uh, trumpet plungers uh, you know I'm always trying to be uh, innovative I guess and that's you know I also uh, you can stream my music on any digital platform uh, Amazon Spotify iTunes basically anywhere where you listen to music it should be available and uh, following on facebook is great instagram those are where i'm kind of doing more of these live uh, interactive chats or musical collaborations and uh, yeah or if you don't or let me know you know if you go to my website there's a contact box you can sign up for my mailing list and that'll tell you you know, when I'm going to be performing in your area, the different projects that I have on the go, or where you'd like to see me, you can send me a note of where you'd like to see me perform and we'll work on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so cool. And um I was talking to Randy. Randy is dynamite. I don't know where you found her at, boy, but she is like she is <laughs> dynamite. I, I really oh man, you know, she's she's on point. She stays on she stayed on my case. She's like, look, what you wanna do? Are we going to get with Bree or not? You know, she was on my case. And I was like, it was it, it was cool. Because, yeah. you know, with, with everything that's going on and how busy I was, you know, I slipped sometimes, you know. And mm-hmm. she kept me on point. So she is just fantastic. Um, great, great. But um, I know that it's possible, depending on what's going on out here, um, that you'll be here in Philly at the Kimmel Center uh, mm-hmm. in June. Um, so hopefully, yeah, yeah. Hopefully that that goes through because I, I can't wait to get a chance to see you. I hope I can. Um, and this conversation that we're having right now, um, I'm going to feature you and your music on the Spotlight on Jazz and Poetry website, and I'm going to save you for June. So I'm going to feature you during the month, the month of June, and hopefully that'll that you know lead up to some more interest uh in your artistry and people wanting to get a chance to see you at the Kimmel Center. I know yeah. I'll be there. And I hope to you know to get a, to get a chance to uh uh meet you and, and give you the I guess by then we can we can do the elbow bump. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, but, uh, oh, of course. I wrote a song called Elbow Bump. <laughs> <laughs> we'll play it we'll play it there. I tell you, I mean after this much time sitting inside any any live music is going to be so full of energy we're gonna be, oh, yeah. we're gonna be so happy to play.
1: <laughs> oh yeah! Everybody oh, yeah. will get have
0: a time of their life. I
1: promise. i um yeah, I can't, I can't wait, and I'll uh, talk to Randy about possibly um, being able to come back and, and meet you after the performance or whatever, Most and take definitely. a couple pictures. Yeah. Um, so, in closing, I'm going to just like you've already had the floor. But I want to give it to you once more just to say to any um, of the listeners, any young people that may be thinking about getting into music or or writing music or poetry or performing. What kind of advice would you like to give them?
0: I feel like I have. Lived a lot of my life thinking you know what I would rather regret the things I did than the things I didn't do (laughs) So if you have an inkling in your heart that you want to create play uh, You know, whatever it is, not even musical related, you know, by just do it take that chance Reap the rewards, you know, even if it doesn't work out. I guarantee you will learn something and I have uh, Learned that the journey and the adventure is so much more interesting you know, it's such is is the actual thing that I have been striving for the whole time. So, by all means, whatever it is that you are having in your heart, you're dreaming about, just go for it. Go for it, 100. percent
1: Well, that, that's wonderful advice, and I'd like to, Bria, thank you so much for taking time out from your schedule to, you know, have this conversation with me. It was truly an honor for me um, to have you and. Um, be able to share some of your thoughts about what's going on here today and your artistry which I think is just truly fantastic Um, and you know just I want you to stay safe out there and you you know um, you know just continue just continue to be a beacon uh, in the industry of music I'm not going to just say jazz in music and uh uh And education, because you're you're an educator as well. So just thank Mm -hmm. you for all that you do as well. I know a lot of people, you know, thank me for what I'm doing. But thank you for what you do, because it's it's just as important, you know. And um, it was just a pleasure for me. And I I just had so much fun with this conversation.
0: Thank you so much. Me too. Me too.
1: Okay. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us here at Spotlight Conversation. And I'll see you real soon. Have a wonderful week. Peace. Yes, indeed.